I want you to go with me to the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 35. St. Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 35. As you have it, say, man. And if you need a minute, say, wait a minute. <laughs> Are we ready? It said, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, what, what is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he answered unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered, saying, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and passed by on the other side. By a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come, I will repay thee. The subject I want to borrow on this morning is living to death. Living to death. In 1886, there was a novel that sold more than 40,000 copies. It captured the intelligent minds of many ranked uh, bestsellers list and is still read abroad today. The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. This novel centers upon the conception of humility as dual in nature. This story represents a concept in Victorian culture that the inner conflict of humanity's sense of good and evil, that the novel has been interpreted as an examination of the duality of human nature that good and evil exist in all, and that the failure to accept this tension, to accept this evil doing, results in evil being projected onto others. Can I pause and tell you the reason why people act the way they act towards you is because you didn't do something to them, but, but somebody did something to them. They have not accepted who they are, and since they're having a problem accepting themselves, they leave themselves in a miserable state trying to figure out who it is that there are. 
But there's somebody here that can say, please don't get it twisted. Just because I have a college degree and I live in the suburbs, I ain't forgot my ghetto card. And I come too far to turn around. Just when you think I get back, I will mess you up. <laughs> Paradoxically, in this argument, evil is actually committed in an effort to extinguish the perceived evil that has been projected onto innocence. Note this, in the Freudian theory, the thoughts and desires banish to the unconscious mind motive, the behavior of the conscious mind. If someone banishes all evil to the unconscious mind in an attempt to be holy and completely good, it can result in a case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. This failure to accept the tension of the duality is related to Christian theology, where Satan's fall from heaven is due to his refusal to accept that he is a created being, that he is dual in nature and is not God. This is why Christianity pride to consider oneself without sin or without sin evil is the greatest sin of all. As it, the persecutor to evil itself explains the Christian concept of hiding evil in the light. The novel also has been noted to be one of the best books in the Victorian era because its piercing description of the fundamental dichotomy of the 19th century outward respectability and inward lust, as this period had the tendency for social hypocrisy. Various influences have been suggested for Stevenson's interest in this mental condition that separates the sinful and moral self. Among them, the biblical text, Romans 7 and 20, now if I do what I do, not want to do, it is no longer what I do, but it is sin living in me that does it. The dual title character is a doctor uh, who covered up a secret life full of cruel deeds. He feels as if he's constantly battling with himself between what is good and what is evil, but he has spent a great part of his life trying to repress evil urges that were fitting not the man of his stature. And after drinking a potion created uh, by himself, Jekyll is transformed into a smaller, younger, cruel, remorseless Edward Hyde, representing the hidden sin of Dr. Jekyll's nature. As time goes by, Mr. Hyde grows in power. After taking the, the potion repetitively, he no longer relies on the inner demon. He relies on his alter ego. Eventually, Mr. Hyde grows so strong that Dr. Jekyll becomes relented on the repulsion, on the potion to remain himself. So as we look at this, Edna James lost herself and attempted suicide but survived and died at the age of 73. Don Cornelius lost himself and succeeded with suicide at the age of 75. Whitney Houston attempted to redefine herself at the age of 48, died cause of death unknown. Last night, God arrested and warranted my attention to perform the autopsy on Whitney Houston, this profound vocalist. Ladies and gentlemen, at 355, Whitney Houston was pronounced dead in the Beverly Hills Hotel. Houston was not only a singer, but an actress, producer, and a bono. At the time of her death, she was uh, the most awarded female of all time. According to Genesis World Records, she had two Emmy Awards, six Grammys, 30 Billboard Awards, 22 American Music Awards, and among the total 415 career awards as of 2010. She was alone, 
She was also one of the world's best-selling music artists, so selling over 170 million albums, singles, and videos worldwide. Inspired by a prominent soul singer in her family, including Sissy Houston, cousin Dionne Warwick, and Dee Dee Warwick, her godmother, Aretha Franklin, she began singing in the New Jersey church choir at the age of 11. After she began performing alongside her mother in nightclubs, in New York City, she was discovered by Arista Records, labeled Clyde Davis, releasing seven studio albums, three movie soundtracks, and which have diamond, platinum, gold certificates. Looking at this body, she had it all together on the outside. She had money, cars, clothes, fame. She had all of these things, but was still not unhappy. But as we begin to look on the inside of her, we find that she has scar tissue inside of her body. Scar tissue that took over her body for all of these years. And in 1992, she married the worst mistake of her life. <laughs> Bobby Brown, who stabbed her with his words, poured into her bad habits, sent her, her thoughts with his fickle mind. In 1993, they had a, bot, a daughter, Bobby Christina. Ten years later, the police responded to a domestic violence call from Houston about Brown. Police found Houston with a cut lip, a bruised cheek, and she was found in and out of drug rehabilitation during the mid-2000s and appeared to hit a low point in her unsteady appearances in the 2005 reality TV show, Being Bobby Brown. She filed for a legal separation Following, following the following year in 2007, the couple filed for divorce. Now leaving Whitney with years and years of trying to figure out why the man that she loved hurt her so bad. He leached on her success, portrayed acts of jealousy, and has been charged with countless cases of domestic violence. Looking on the inside of Mrs. Houston, she has more scars, tissue around her heart, her brain, and lungs than anywhere else on her body. With her heart, she trusted Bobby. With her mind, she thought about the things she entrusted him with. With her lungs, she breathed in toxic chemicals, deadly lies, and substances of drugs, and whatever uh, else that went inside of her body. And she was torn between addiction and disorder. There are some people in the streets, in surrounding communities, young men and women of every color and every creed, who struggling with addictions, dysfunction, psychological disorder. But people in church has been looking down on them so long that they rather smoke weed, do crack, snort cocaine, drink gin and juice to cope with their pain because the time, because the church, uh, they wanted to come to church for help, but the church looked down on them. We singled them out. We roasted them on Facebook. We whispered when they passed by, but how dare you look down at anyone else when it is that you have an addiction for yourself? When it is that you have a porn addiction, when it is that you have a sex addiction, when it is that you have a drug addiction, when it is that you have a lying addiction, when it is that you budget gambling in your spending just to go to the boat, leave the question, how is it that you look down on me? The only difference between me and you is that no one knows your addiction.
my God. But I'm so glad that Romans said, all have seen and come short of the glory of God. But I'm more thankful that when I come to church, God don't look at me for who I presently am, but he looks at me for who I presently can become. And that's why the enemy is so upset with you, because you have potential. You have potential to break free of that addiction. You have the potential to go past all the hurt and the pain. The enemy thought he had you, but he forgot that you had potential. The last thing the enemy should have done was push you, because when he pushed you, you start going to rehab. When he pushed you, you tried to find help. When he pushed you, you tapped into your potential and found out that I was more than a conqueror. Though he slay me, yet will I trust. But addiction has a cousin named bipolar. Bipolar disorder or manic depression, as it is also known, is a serious mental disorder. The sudden and intense shift in mood, energy, and general behavior. Those afflicted with bipolar disorder also have a much higher suicide rate than any other population, uh, generally speaking. For many individuals, bipolar and addiction go hand in hand. The primary reason for this phenom is that the large percentage of individuals attempt to self-medicate themselves with drugs and alcohol in an effort to numb the symptoms of their bipolar. Symptoms of bipolar disorder, such as high anxiety, pain, depression, sleeplessness are so alarming that many individuals return to drugs and alcohol as a mean to offset and discomfort themselves if only for a little while. The final report is that Whitney Houston died from complications of her past. But those who are stuck in turmoil, God says help is on the way. Those who are going through despair and all of these things, Whitney left something behind. She said, when you're down and in despair, hold on, help is on the way. But in this text, we find Jesus dialoguing with the analytical, egotistical lawyer who proposes a question that he knows the answer to. The lawyer said, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus asked him, what is written in the law? And this egotistical lawyer who's full of himself uh, repeated what was written in the law. Imagine Jesus looked at him and just rolled his eyes and kept on speaking. And like oftentimes, many of us wonder why, who indirectly wonders, we wonder who our neighbor is. More than likely, you can't borrow sugar from this neighbor. You can't borrow eggs from this neighbor. This neighbor don't have two things that match. How can you have Kool-Aid and no sugar, peanut butter and no jelly? This neighbor is not the one that lives next to you. But note this, your neighbor is anyone that you come in contact with who needs your assistance and you have the resources and the tools to help them. In the heat of this lawyer's immature justification, Jesus speak what theologians across the country would agree as a parable, a brief narrative told with earthly analogies to illustrate and illuminate spiritual truths. Jesus said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. The road to Jerusalem to Jericho was accessible by foot or horseback. 
it was deemed to be between 18 and 20 miles long. The distance is, rock, is rocky and rugged, and the route can expect long travails and thirstiness. And this man was walking down this road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And as he went from Jerusalem to Jericho, he was thousands of feet from the Mount of Olives to the valley, to the Jordan Valley. Below, there were slopes of sharpness and rocked edges as he walked down this hill. And this certain man fell among leaves. But this morning, I want to look at this text, not from the traditional version of the, the certain man that fell among thieves, but I want to look at how the thieves fell among this certain man. In order to become a thief, there is a gradual process you must go through lying, then cheating, and ultimately is stealing. But what arrested and warranted my attention the most is not that the thieves had the motive to steal, because Jesus never released the name of the victim that, uh, that they stole from. But Jesus just said, a certain man, suggests he had a certainty about himself that attracted him to these thieves. They, he didn't release their economical status. He didn't say whether they were rich or poor, black or white, but he just said, this certain man. But if this certain man is an ideal target for thieves, why? Because he was by himself. And anytime you're by yourself, people can't figure it out who it is that you're associated with. So then they, in an attempt to associate themselves with you, they try to steal your character, steal your integrity, steal your ideas, and become attached to you so they can be just like you. Let me see, can I help you out here? You've been hanging by yourself. You, you keep your distance and your name still get caught up in drama. You, you stay out of trouble. You don't go around that side of the family anymore and they still got something to say about you. How is it that they have something to say about you and you're always by yourself? They can tell you where you've been before you even leave the house. But they said this certain man, who we don't know his level of education, we don't know his lineage, we just know that he was on a journey all alone by himself. And he fell among thieves, and he was overlooked and underestimated, but it describes this such accident that he fell among. It wasn't by accident that you gave your number to that no good man. It wasn't by accident you slept with the STD. It wasn't by accident you cheated on your spouse. It was not by accident you became an alcoholic. It wasn't by accident that you started smoking weed. You can't blame this one on the alcohol like Jamie does, but can I tell you, nothing happens by accident, but God sets some things up. So you'll be able to say, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, I don't know where I would be. It wasn't by accident that this certain man fell among thieves, but these thieves had something psychologically going on with them. These thieves were, were stripping this man of his clothes and his raiment because they were naked themselves. They, they were naked themselves, and they could not figure out why it is that they were naked themselves. They, they were stripped, and I believe that the reason why they stripped him is because they were trying to find what it is that was missing on them. They were trying to clothe and hide the pain that happened to them. But there's people right now trying to figure out why my daddy don't love me. There's people trying to figure out right now why my daddy beat me so bad. Why did mama touch me in the middle of the night? Why? Because they were stripped of who they were. 
Don't fall into the cycle. It's time to break out of the cycle. That's why you need to break out and ask for forgiveness. There's power when you ask for forgiveness. But there's someone in the room who can say, there's someone who stole my innocence. They, they stripped me of my sexuality. They, they left me in a state of confusion because when it is that I look in the mirror, I have the anatomy of a male or female, but I don't know exactly what gender I am. Or maybe your, your first experience satisfied your psychology enough to alter your perception. Because what it is you think and feel made a conscious decision to involve yourself with the same sex. Or could it be the man you love hurt you so much to the core that you made up in your mind, I'm never going to be involved with the opposite sex again. I, I, I'm, I'm going to break out of it. But it's time for you to forgive it and let it go and move on past the mark. Forgetting those which are behind me and pressing toward the mark. But because you're wounded, you, you started wounding others. Because you're wounded, you started hurting others. Because you're wounded, you started raping others. Because you're wounded, you start touching others inappropriately. Because you're wounded, you, you begin to go inside of dark places and hide yourself because you're wounded. But God says, I can see all things, even when the lights are on. And don't get it twisted just because you thought you got away with it. God got a way that you can't go under. You must go in at the door. These thieves left this certain man half dead, but still alive. They left him with his thoughts. Why would they do this to me? Left him laying there, who can help me? Am I going to die with this pain, with this heartache? I'm all alone, they took me of my clothes. It's getting cold outside, the wind is blowing, my blood is running out, I, I can't concentrate and I'm laying here on the ground wondering why would they do this to me? Here comes the priest, uh, the so-called pastor of this time, this man of God, this leader who other believers look to for spiritual advice coming down the way and see this, this innocent man laying here on the road and he passes him by. The, the man laying there on the ground, I hear him saying, Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Please hear my humble cry. The priest kept on walking. He was more concerned about what, what people think. He was more concerned about the eating the tithes and collecting all of the things that were going to come to him. He was more concerned about the suits and the shoes, more concerned about his houses and his cars than to pull over and help this man who was laying there on the side of the road. And the old folks say, I, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I, I'd rather see you at uh, out of kindness. I'd rather see you live what you preach. I'd rather see you do all of these things and for you to get up and tell me what it is that I should do when you're not doing it yourself. But because the Levite status, perhaps uh, he was poor. The Levite didn't want to help this man he, because he was poor, and he was, would think, the people would think he was stealing from him because the man was dead, left half dead, bleeding, wounds pouring out of his body, blood gushing, and he was there slowly dying, and the Levite passed him by on the other side. 
He, I can hear the certain man saying, I just can't give up now. Please, please, I come too far from where I started from, all the way from Jerusalem to Jericho. I'm almost there. Please don't, 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 don't leave me there. But then this certain Samaritan, whose name wasn't released, didn't care about what people thought, did not care about what clothes the man had on, did not care about what the man smelled like, didn't even care what he looked like, didn't care if it was male or female, but the only thing he cared about is that he seen somebody sitting on the side of the road in need and he wanted to help. He made up in his mind that regardless of what the people say about me, I gotta help this man. Some of us, no matter how bad our past is, no matter how much money we got, no matter how many people cussed us out, we have to learn how to help the people who cussed us out. We have to learn how to walk towards the people who don't love us anymore. We have to learn how to get to where God wants us to be because if you don't help that certain someone, you're going to miss out on your blessing. Everybody walks around church saying, I got favor, name it and claim it, and won't pick up the phone and call their sister, won't pick up the phone and call their brother, won't pick up the phone and, and call their mother. They say, I, I got favor, God is raining on my life. So many blessings and you don't even have your family. But every time that the preacher says, we, we gonna, uh, if you jump up right now, you're going to get a house in, in five seconds. You put $20 in, you're going to go get that new car. I name it and I claim it, but you can't even dial seven digits to get out the line. You, 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 you jump off of putting money in the collection plate and, and all of these things, but you can't even pay your rent on, on time. You, you can't even pay your cell phone bill on time. You can't even do none of the necessities and tie it on time. But every time the preacher say, jump up, I'm going to give you a car, you're running toward the preacher. But this, this certain man who, who, who came into the vicinity where this, 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 cert, this certain man who was laying there, this, this Samaritan came into the vicinity where he was. He, he came right there and looked down on him and began to pour expensive ingredients into his wounds. He began to pour into him. And if you allow me to use my imagination, a lot of us see people sitting on the side of the road and we constantly drain them, constantly asking the broke people to borrow money, constantly asking them for things when it is that they have a need, when you know that their light bill is due, when you know their mortgage is due, and you calling them, asking them for help, and they're laying there needing you. They're half dead, but they're still alive. So when this Samaritan arrived, I, I, the, the, the certain man perked up. He, he began to feel his vital signs. He began to hear his heartbeat again. He was laying there. I imagine he was praying, saying, Father, if you ever get me out of this, you don't have to worry about me walking down this road no more. <laughs> and a lot of us get in that situation where we tell the shotgun prayer, God, if you get me out of this, I promise I won't do it again. God, if you get me out of this, I promise I won't go there no more. God, if you get me out of this, I'll stay away from those kinds of people. But then you find yourself again on this road. But can I tell you, sometimes you find yourself on the same road is because you haven't changed the direction that you're going in. You haven't... 
You haven't changed your direction to education. You haven't changed your direction to relying on yourself, but you haven't, you, but you changed your direction to relying on the same people. But God says, I got to take you through something in order to bring you out. And I brought you past the priests and I brought you past the Levites so you can say, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, I don't know where I would be. But this certain, this certain man was laying there on the side of the road, and this, this Samaritan had compassion on him. He loved on him. He picked him up and wrapped him in his arms. He didn't know why he did it, but God said, my grace and mercy covered you even when you didn't know why it was covering you. Even after what you did last night, even what you did this morning, God said, my grace and mercy is sufficient for you. So don't get it twisted. It wasn't by yourself, but God said, my grace and mercy woke you up this morning. My Grace and mercy started you on your way. My grace and mercy kept you from danger seen and unseen. Even when you wanted to get in trouble, God said, my grace and mercy stood up and said no and turned you the other way. You wonder why you made it to church, say God, grace and mercy got you here to this destination. It wasn't because you was got a spotless driving record. God said, my grace and mercy. And we get to the point to where we forget about grace and mercy. We get to the point to where we stop relying on God. We get to the point to where we say, God, uh, if you don't bless me with this, I'm not going to go to church no more. If you, if you don't do this. But God said, even when you were going through those times, my grace and mercy kept you. I got to talk to somebody here. You, 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 you got pregnant and then you had a miscarriage because you got pregnant by the wrong guy. God said, my grace and mercy. I know it hurt you, but it helped you. He said, if you're going through terrible, troubled situations, but my grace and mercy is keeping you. You bowed down and you're facing this recession. But God said, my grace and mercy is going to see you through. And so after grace and mercy covered this certain man. He, he, he found out that he was favored. He found out that just a little talk with Jesus would make everything all right. He got to the point that when he was sitting there talking to Jesus, he made up in his mind that he wasn't going to hang out with just low caliber people anymore. He, he made up in his mind that he wasn't going to go down that road anymore. He made up in his mind that he was going to stop receiving phone calls from that no good Negro. He made up in his mind that he wasn't going to answer the phone for people who don't call him to say hi, but always ask him to borrow money. He made up in his mind. That God, if you get me out of this, I promise that I'll stop. I'm half dead and I'm still alive. I, I'm walking toward the light. But God said, when it is that you start walking toward the light, you start walking toward me. And just when you thought it was over, God said, I sent the good Samaritan to come by and help you. Just when you thought it was over, I sent somebody along the way to pick you up and turn you around. I sent somebody down the road just to say it's going to be all right. I sent somebody down the road, but while you were laying there, he said, sometimes you have to encourage yourself. You have to speak over yourself. You have to say, I'm more than a conqueror. Though he slay me, yeah, will I trust. This man, this man, this certain man was laying there half dead. Blood, blood, bleeding, dripping out of his body. 
blood pressure decreasing, heart rate decreasing, he's laying there half dead. He said, Lord, don't leave me here. Lord, please, please, if you, if you get me out of this this time, I, I won't have a baby by him. If you get me out of this this time, God, I'll, I'll go get a job. If you get me out of this this time, I'll stop going to jail. If you get me out of this this time, I won't be behind bars. If you get me out of this, I'll stop disrespecting people. If you get me out of this, God, I will be all right. God, I'm, I'm half, I'm half dead. I feel myself slipping in and out of consciousness. I hear footsteps. I hear people walking. He said, Savior, Savior, please don't pass me by. But God said, just as you were walking towards the light, he said, I am the light. I am the great I am. He said, I'm the light of the world. He said, he said matter of fact, even when you were going through this situation, I, I heard about David. David said, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He maketh me a path to lie down in green pastures. And while I'm lying down on this sidewalk, God is with you. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you always, even until the end of the earth. Just because you're half dead, God said, I'm with you. I had to take you down in order to bring you out. So here comes this man, this Samaritan poured oil in his womb. He poured this, this expensive ingredient into him. He began to pour words of encouragement on him. He said, you're coming out of it one way or another. He said, I'm coming out. He said, I don't know how, and I'm not a doctor, but I'm coming out. And this certain man was sitting here saying, Lord, if you ever bring me out of this, I know that it could not have been nobody else. The, the priest wouldn't stop by, and the, the Levite wouldn't stop by, but God said, I sit a certain Samaritan to come by the wayside and see about you. All the way from Jerusalem to Jericho, I sent this certain man to just come by and see about you. But I heard the certain man, the certain man before, before the Samaritan came and reached out his hand, I heard him say, you may write me, write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trot me in the very dirt, but still like dust I rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are beasts with gloom? Because I walk like I got oil wells pumping in my living room. He said, just like the moon and like the suns, with certainty of tides, just like the springing high, still, still I rise. He said, I'm laying here half dead, but one day I'm going to rise. I got faith right now because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Still, I'm going to rise. Then he said, did, did you want me, did you want to see me broken, Levite? Did you want to see me broken, priest, bowed down, head and lowered eyes? Shoulders falling down like teardrops weakened by my soulful cries. Does my haughtiness offend you? Do you take it awful hard? Because I look like, because I laugh like I got gold mines digging in my own backyard. You may shoot me down with your words. You may cut me with your eyes. You see me laying there, but still like dust, I'll rise. You may kill me with your hatefulness, and you may lie on me, and you may talk about me, but still like dust, I'm going to rise. Does my sexiness upset you? Does it come as surprise that I 
dance like I got diamonds at the meeting of my thighs. Or out, out of the huts of history, shame I rise. Up from the past, rotted in pain, still I rise. I'm a black ocean, leaping and wide, welling and swelling. I bear inside, leaving behind nights of terror, fear I rise. Into daybreak, I'm rising, rising past expectation. Though you slay me, yet will I trust. I'm going, going all the way, and ain't nothing that you can do about it. He said, I, I'm going, I'm going farther than what you imagined me to be. You left me there laying down wounded and brokenhearted. But God said, no, even when the doctor turned his head on you, God said, I'm going to bring you out. When the doctor came in the room and he said that he wasn't coming, you wasn't going to come out. God said, I'm going to make the doctor out of the liar. It ain't over until God says it's over. It's not over until I pull the plug. The doctor can't count you out, but God counted you in. Is there anybody here that can say God kept me even when I was going through? So is there laying down trying to figure out why this certain Samaritan will come by and help him? Did not understand, but he knew that God sent one of his best. This man who poured oil inside of his wounds. This man who, who did all of these things for him, then charged him one dollar. This man, this man, this, found this man bleeding half to death. But he said, I'm living to death. He said, what are you saying? He said, I'm living to death. I, I, I'm living right now because I'm, I'm living to die, but I'm dying to live. And since it is that I'm living to die, I, I got to make a transition to dying to live. Because once I die, there's a pause. And God moved me upstairs. And he said, I got something that eyes have not seen and ears have not heard what God's going to do for you. So don't get it twisted that when you're sitting there on the side of the road, God said, I'm sitting somebody to come by and help you. I'm sending somebody to come by and touch you. I'm sending just a little talk with me to make everything all right. I'm sending grace and his cousin mercy. I'm breaking you out of addiction. I'm breaking you out of recession. If you lean and depend on me, everything will be all right. He said, I know that right now you think you're going through a storm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, but he said, if you're going through it, that means you're almost out of it. Yes. But I need to talk to the people who are stuck in the storm, uh, who's sitting there wondering how the bill's going to get paid. I need to talk to the people who's sitting there wondering how uh, the kids gonna go to college. I need to talk to the people who's sitting there wondering if God be for me, uh, who can be against me. I don't understand why my own family looking down on me. I can't figure out why uh, my so-called friends are talking about me. But God said even when 
in You're going through your difficult situation All things work together for the good of them that love God And while I was sitting down on the side of the road I seen a lady walking down the street Pushing her groceries I circled back around the block To come back and pick her up She had to be about 70 years old But I can hear saying every day I'm pressing toward the mark I'm pressing toward the mark I'm forgetting the things that are behind me What are you saying now? You gotta forgive the people who counted you out You gotta forgive the people who did not want you to go far You gotta forgive the people who said You're never going to become anything You gotta forgive them and move on But then, after the people who are there in their storm, get there to the point to where they feel like they can't take it anymore. Where they get there and they say, I might as well take my own life. When they get to the point to say, I, I had enough with life's ups and downs. I had enough with going through bad situations. I had enough of going down uh, to the corner store. I had enough of folk lying on me. I had enough of folk talking about me. Uh, but one of these days, yeah, it won't be long. You're going to look for me, and I'm going to be gone. I heard Whitney say, though you slay me, yet will I trust you. I heard Don say, I'm tired of living like this. I heard Edna say, God gave me a second chance. Then I heard Jesus say, whoa. I heard Jesus say, I went down a hill on Golgotha and they bound me to the cross and they left me there for three long days and they put nails in my hands and they put nails in my feet and they took me to a borrowed tomb left me there for three long days but on the third day I'll rise rising past expectation rising past turmoil I heard him say I've had some good days and I've had some bad days but when when I look around and I think things over all of my good days 
out of way my bad days. I won't. I could, but I won't. Sometimes I feel like it, but I won't. I won't. I won't complain. God been so good to me. He's right. All of my tears away. Turn my midnights into day. Oh, but I'm gonna keep on pressing toward the mark. The mark. Let's walk towards Jesus. Every day is sweeter than the day before. God said, he told me to tell you before he leave here. He said, you got a mansion that's not made but man's hand. You got a mansion and I'm putting the final touches on it. Your house may be in repossession, but when you go to sleep on this side, you waking up in your new mansion. You waking up with a new walk. You waking up with a new talk. You waking up with new shoes. You waking up with a long right road. But I gotta tell you, you can't crown them until I get there. Whitney, you can't do it until I get there. Don't care about your Grammys, but you can't crown them until I get there. Done. The Soul Train line can't start till I get there. And uh, at last, all of my love is gone. But God, he loves me.